Well, on Tuesday, they came back in on Wall Street and started beating up financial stocks again. And it was all of them. Uh, Goldman Sachs was down. Uh, you know, the Wall Street banks, the Main Street banks, the regionals, the super regionals, all of them were hit. The only thing we could figure, it was the annual letter from Jamie Dimon. He's the longtime CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. And he points out, he says the crisis isn't over yet. And there needs to be more regulation, and they need to be careful about it. And I don't know how this is. It's one of the things that I think a lot of people on Wall Street thought had ended. One person who's been through all this in many different ways is Jody Grant. We first knew him as the CEO of Texas American Bank Shares back in the 80s. Then he came to Dallas and started Texas Capital Bank in 1998. And he's still the chairman emeritus. And during the interim, he wrote the definitive tome on banks, the great Texas banking crash, an insider's account. The aforementioned Jody Grant joins us right now. It's good to have you with us, sir. Wonderful to be here, David, as always. I get Well, this isn't the 80s, and, and even Jamie Dimon says this is 08 and 09, but it's kind of an ugly situation right now. Well, you know, it, it isn't the 80s, but there's similarities that run through, you know, the, the banking industry that uh, are historical and will be with us forever, and that's a balance sheet composed of deposits on one side and loans on the other. The uh, the regulators, you know, are are out there, and and Congress is behind, you know, behind the push on this, and we can't have this, and this can't happen again, and we're going to have to do something about it. And one of the fears is they're going to put so many regulations on the banks that nobody's going to want to be a banker anymore. We're going to turn back into Canada, where you've got about thirty banks. Well, righteous indignation leads us in that direction. And, uh, you know, I, I, my great fear is that we overregulate. There's a knee-jerk reaction, and, and it falls most heavily in terms of expense uh, and impact on the smaller banks. Yeah. what the, regu- the, the large banks can pay for all of the auditors and regulators and the filings, but the, you get down to community banks and, and regional banks, maybe even some super regionals. You just it just doesn't make any sense to do it, does it? No, it's it's pretty tough. And I think um, you know Dodd Frank did a lot, and some of that was rolled back. I don't think that's necessarily inappropriate. The biggest change was that you know uh, they increased the size of some of that regulation from fifty million dollar threshold to a two hundred and fifty million dollar threshold, and that's what Elizabeth Warren and some others are talking about rolling back. Uh, I don't think it's needed. I think if they just regulate under the current regulations, that um, you know it works. So what happens if we lose the community banks and the regionals? Um, and like I say, maybe maybe go to Canada. I think we're the last count I saw we were sending like forty two hundred banks, and literally Canada has thirty five domestic banks. Well, the Canada model is maybe the the direction in which the regulators would like to go, albeit very gradually over time. Um, but the community banking system provides a much-needed service in all of our communities in that it provides an alternative to the giant monolithic banks that, um, you know, we, we know who they are. There's no reason to mention them. But, you know, one thing that happens in those monolithic organizations, they lose contact with, you know, what I would call Main Street America and blue-collar America. And, uh I know in in the businesses that I've banked in the past, they wanted to bank with the local guys, uh, locally owned, locally managed, if possible. And they they speak the same language. They understand each other. And no, they don't do business by handshake anymore. But there's still that kind of mentality involved in it. 
You point out in your in your book uh, about the, the the banking crisis in the eighties. I think we lost what over five hundred banks in in Texas, and it took a long time to to build that that relationship banking back up again. And it's taken a lot of a lot of foreign names and a lot of entrepreneurs like you who started up new banks to do it. But it took a long time. Well, Texas Capital Bank was founded in nineteen ninety eight, eight years after really the major crash in Texas was over. And, you know, we're 22, 23 years past, well, even more, 20, going on 25 years past that time. And so it does take a long time to build an institution, so you hate to see them destroyed. How do you, how do you come up with regulations so that you can avoid something like Silicon Valley Bank? Evidently, Silicon Valley Bank had like 35,000 corporate accounts, but they were all controlled by a handful of venture capital companies who said jump, and they all jumped at once. How do you how do you avoid something like that from happening? Well, Silicon Bank was a um, unique bank. It really was an investment bank. They never were the commercial bank, Main Street commercial bank that you find in most cities in America, uh, in most states in America. And uh, accordingly, they had few accounts. They were... Um, you know, they were in a different kind of banking business. They were taking warrants with loans and doing things that you don't find the, um, and I hate to say less sophisticated, but they're not as fan- involved in financial engineering as the Silicon Valley bank was. So I think it's a, you're, you're talking about two different uh, kettles of fish. And in that one kettle, there was only one bank, and that was Silicon Valley bank. But of course, much envy, I might say, for by a lot of others for oh, a long time. Absolutely, but but I mean that that's that's it. Talking about banking with a broad brush is difficult because on the one hand you've got, you know, the Wall Street banks, the J.P. Morgan Chases and Goldman Sachs and everything else, and on the other hand you have the one-off little community bank that started in, you know, Collin County, Texas. Um, they're vastly different institutions, aren't they? Vastly different, run by vastly different people with different mentalities. You know, on the one hand, with uh, the bank in McKinney, Texas, or Plano, wherever it is, they're interested in bread and butter banking, and that is making loans to the local citizens funded by local deposits. Whereas that's not what Silicon Valley Bank was was all about. Uh, again, it was more of an investment bank, uh, launching new firms by backed by, in many cases, uh, private equity companies. Okay, so given your, your your knowledge of the industry, which is which is vast, and you have some knowledge of politics too, and the re- you've worked with a lot of the regulators, so what's the next step? What should they be doing right now? How do you uh, avoid a situation like this, but still keep? You can't do nothing. <laughs> okay, so let me differentiate. There's Silicon Valley. We've already talked about that. The right. other two banks, one was Signature Bank, and the other was. Uh, Silvergate Bank, which didn't fail. Silvergate Bank is vol- involuntary liquidation. But the latter two banks were cryptocurrency banks. And in my view, and I think it's been pretty well substantiated by the fact that the FDIC has refused to insure cryptocurrency accounts in, in, in surviving banks. Uh, well, in Signature Bank right. in particular, but they, they don't like cryptocurrency because it, it is, it is two has two fundamental um, um, attributes that that the regulators don't like. One is those were the banks that were used by the ransomware folks to 
basically bribe these these companies. You know, they'd get into their systems and tie them up, and then you'd have to pay to get out. So transparency. Yeah, that's right. And then the other the other thing is that um, uh, the Treasury Department really and the monetary authorities, the Fed, they don't like cryptocurrency because it's a leakage to monetary policy, which they execute through regular commercial banks. And so you have this cryptocurrency floating out there. And the more money that goes out of our normal fiat banking uh, and money markets into uh, cryptocurrency is a leakage, major leakage on monetary policy. So. Uh, I think when we talk about our blue collar banks, it's an entirely different ball game. You know, they're they're in it for their local communities. But what's what they're talking about is raising the amount of funds that have to be set aside and put into government securities or whatever can't be lit. And you can't can't invest long, I guess, so that the money's free in case there's a sudden run on the bank that you can go out and get your assets back. And again, it, it's it's got to cut into the profitability of the financial institutions. So, how do you accomplish what you're trying to accomplish without pushing well, the bankers? In uh, from a regulatory point of view, I think they would be well advised just to leave things alone and and tighten their regulations, be train their people better, and and have better regulation from that perspective as opposed to coming up with a lot of new bells and whistles, which they really don't need. And and actually, that's one of the things that was in that forty-page Jamie Dimon letter. He said, "Bank failure risks were in plain sight." Yeah, well, one of the one of the main features in those banks that we talked about was their liquidity, and what all of them did is they bought U.S. government securities, municipals, and other types of securities, and instead of match funding, that is matching the duration uh, to maturity of of their deposits and their loans or other assets, they went way out on the yield curve and uh, invested long, and they got caught in an interest rate. Wait a minute, that's what, that's what they did in your book in the 80s. They got them in right. trouble with They never <laughs> learned the lesson? It destroyed the whole savings loan industry, that and a bunch of crooks, but yes, precisely. <laughs> well, it's got to be interesting. i got a feeling we're still going to be – talking about this in another couple of years that uh yeah, calling back in six months we'll have another conference update <laughs> jody grant has been through inflation yeah inflation's hard to tame but we'll get there it is uh jody grant is the former ceo of texas american bank shares chairman emeritus of texas capital and of course is the uh, the the great godfather of the great gift to dallas clyde warren park it's good to spend some time with you sir Thank you, David. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. For more of our conversation, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.